Welcome to the Park Church Sermon Podcast. This is the audio portion of our weekly sermon. For more resources, check the show notes or visit www.parkchurchdsm.com. We'd also like to invite you to check out our weekly podcast, Inside the Park, where we take Sunday to the weekday. Available everywhere you get podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hallelujah, man. Let's thank him this morning. Our God is good, isn't he? You can have a seat. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at the park, and it's a privilege to be so and a privilege to welcome you this morning. If you're a guest with us, you'll find a Connect card. Maybe you're sitting on it or it's underneath you. Fill that out for us, would you? Drop it by the rug in the back. We'd love to give you a gift card for being here this morning, and we're honored that you have uh, come to join us for worship. As we continue, we've been working verse by verse through the book of Colossians. So if you've got a Bible with you, I would encourage you to turn with me to the book of Colossians. If you don't have one with you, it'll be on the screen next to me. Or you can look it up on your phone. I'm using the CSB, which is the Christian Standard Bible. I'd love for you to be able to follow along with me in Colossians. We only have two weeks left after this one. Then we finish the book together. So this has been a great journey for us and a very practical uh, section of this letter from the Apostle Paul. So if you see it next to me or you got it in front of you, would you say, I'm there? All right, here we go. We're going to read verses 22 through chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul says this. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart. As something done for the Lord and not for people. Knowing you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done and there is no favoritism. Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly. Since you know that they too, since you too have a master who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Did you ever have a tough job? I think about some of my jobs that I've had up until now, and I, I reflect on when I was the supervisor of the bag room at the Country Club of Scranton, Pennsylvania. It was a fantastic job. You probably are all country club members. You know what it's like. Uh, just kidding. So but you, we, you go to this country club, and we were in the bag room where the members would keep their bags, and we would wash their clubs and bring them out. Well, as a supervisor, I had a bunch of high school students that worked for me. Now, I'm not talking about the high school students that are part of Park Church because they're awesome. They wouldn't be like this, but these were your other high school students that weren't from here that worked for me, Okay. And uh, their agenda was they would work depending on how their night was going to go that night. So if they had big plans for that night, they were going to work fast and not efficient, but just fast to get on their way to the plans for that evening. If they had no plans, they were going to work as slow as possible and didn't care how things were done. They were just going to waste time. Either way, it was frustrating for me. I was also new and didn't hardly know anything about the job, so upper management was frustrated with me. It was a frustrating job altogether, but really when I look back on it, one of the funnest jobs I ever had. So whether you are living in your dream job right now, 
somewhere in between, or a job that you absolutely hate, God has called us to work. Not all of us in an occupation at a job, some of us in the home, or some of us are in between jobs, but God has called us as human beings to be workers. As we work through this, we've seen Christ over my relationships. We've looked at the home relationship. And now we move into our relationship at our jobs outside of the home. And you might be in the question, if you're that person in the spot of, I hate my job right now and I can't stand it, is work actually a good thing? Actually, God's work was given to us before sin ever entered the world. In Genesis 2, verse 15, this is what it says. The Lord took the man, that is Adam, placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to watch over it. So when God created Adam, it wasn't just Adam just hang out and drink iced tea all day, all right? I've got you in the garden to work and to keep it. God put Adam to work. This was before sin had ever entered the world. But now sin has come in, and one of the curses that has come upon us is that now work, we toil. There's thorns and thistles for Adam. By the sweat of our brow, work, in a sense, is not as easy as it used to be because now sin has entered the world. Has someone ever asked you, what's your vocation? It's a fancy way of saying, what's your job, right? Well, vocation, we get that from the Latin word voca, which means to call. So whatever it is that you are doing right now for work or wherever you find yourself in life, whether you like it or not, God has called you to it. And because God has called you to it, he cares about how you work. And he wants you to work well, whatever it is that you're doing. But here's what's so amazing. God cares about the results of your work. He wants you to work hard. But more important than that, God cares about the kind of person you're becoming as you work. That you're becoming like him. That your heart is beginning to be shaped more like him as you work hard for him. So everyone's first vocation or their calling, if you're in Christ, is to be a Christian. That's your first calling, to be a follower of Jesus. And then that transcends or then will change how you work for him. So we're called to be Christians. God wants us to work hard, but is more concerned about what kind of person we're becoming as we work than the product of our work. But I want to stop just for a moment here because this doesn't actually use the terminology in this passage of workers It actually, if you might have jarred you a little bit this morning to read this text because it says slaves and masters. And maybe you hear that and you think, wow, the Bible really is outdated. What is that all about? Why didn't Paul just write and abolish all this slavery? Why is he actually talking about it like it still exists and that it's okay? Well, I want to just tell you a little bit of things that are going to be helpful to you to know. The Roman world was much different than ours. When we think about the Roman world, we often think about how terrible and how awful it was, and in many ways it was. But yet, in many ways, it was more humane than our own country has been in the last couple hundred years. Because Roman slavery was actually very different than American slavery and what we've known in the West. Ours was far and much worse 
than what existed in the Roman Empire. And does the Bible prohibit the slavery that we know in the United States? Absolutely it does from the very beginning. This is what's told us in Exodus. This is at the beginning at the, with the law being given. It says this. Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death. Whether that victim has been sold or still in the, camp t- in the kidnapper's possession. That's American slavery right there and what happened. The Bible is vehemently against that type of slavery. All right? Has always been from the beginning and still is. It rejects it fully. In Christ there is either man, woman, slave, free, Greek, or Jew. All are one in Christ. That's not what Paul is talking about here when he addresses slaves and their masters. So let me just give you three ways to help you shape this and to think about this a little bit differently of what Roman slavery actually was. The first thing you need to know about it, it was not based on ethnicity, okay? It did not target a certain people or group based on their color, which saw ethnicities as second race, a different class, or inferior, That's not in the Bible. And their slavery was not based on that. It was also voluntary. For the most part, some were conquered and put into slavery, but most often, people submitted themselves to slavery to pay off a debt. It was actually a great way, if you owed something, to put yourself into slavery until that debt was paid. Slaves in the Roman Empire had protected rights. They were treated much better than even the day workers of the time that would come to the market and look for work. Slaves always had work and were protected. They were treated much differently than those that weren't, that were just looking for work every day. And they also had access to high levels of education. In fact, most of the slaves and many of them were actually the educators of that day and held positions in the society. Also, it's important to know that slavery was not forever. Because it was voluntary, there was an end point of slaves. They couldn't just leave. That's what happened with Onesimus and the, the letter of Philemon. But it also meant that once they served their time, they were to be let go with a debt that had been fully forgiven. And this way, it also wasn't generational. It wasn't because your dad or your mom was a slave meant that you were too. Okay, so there's very big differences. It doesn't mean that the slave masters always treated everyone fairly and equally, but this is how it was supposed to be done. And why Paul doesn't call him to abolish it completely, because as Wayne Grudem says, this is actually just a way of life and was the most common way of employment in the Roman world, as there were 50 million slaves. And it's our closest relationship that we know of to manager and employee in the Bible. Okay, so we're going to apply it to that, that this is an employee and manager type of relationship. And so both of them, both slaves and masters, would have been listening to this letter together equally in the church as it was read publicly. They'd already heard already, just like we have, that Christ is over every relationship. And my relationship with Christ will affect my relationship with the world and my family and with others. So I want to just give you this morning the role, the reason, and the reward. 
Okay, the role, the reason, and the reward, starting with employees. Employees, according to verse 22, we'll read in a second, your role is to obey, to obey. That's your role. Look at verse 22. Chapter 3, verse 22. Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. All right, that's what we're supposed to do. Our role is to obey, and as we obey, we are to do it in everything. Okay, it's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Sure, okay, obeying my manager at work in everything. But Paul then goes on to unpack what that everything means. Not just when they're watching you. It's the first thing he says. So your job is to obey in everything by consistently working hard. Your job is to obey in everything by consistently working hard. Not just when your boss is watching you, right? Now, how many of you know that when the boss is around, there's, everyone's like the greatest employee ever in that moment, right? You got that one dude, that one lady who like is the laziest person, but when the boss is in the room, they're like the best worker ever. You're like, come on, man, seriously, right? Paul says, no, 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 be consistent. Not just when the boss is watching you, but all the time. That's what you're called to do. Not when you know you're in front of a camera or someone is around the corner or you have a performance review coming up. But in all things, we are to consistently work hard. When I was working out at the airport one time, there was a procedure that I did all the time. And it was on the plane and I would empty things out of the plane. And one day, the boss, the station manager was watching me. And you know what? In that moment, I made sure that I went through every single checkpoint, didn't I? Because the whole time he's just watching, making sure I was doing it right. And then I thought to myself afterwards, you know what? Even if he's not watching, I should be doing the exact same thing that I just did now. Making sure that I'm doing everything by working hard and giving my best all the time. So we're consistently working hard and we're obeying by giving our best. So often, don't you just want to get the job done? Do as little as you can to make the money. But God is calling us to much more than that. He's saying to employees, you are to work hard and to give your best in everything. Now, it's really interesting because if you're a Christian, you think about, okay, I'm at work. I'm going to witness and share my faith with people that are around me. But have you ever thought that if you're not a hard worker, what a hindrance that'll be to actually you sharing your faith? I mean, if you're known as the guy that's just cutting corners and just doing whatever he needs to do to get by, when you actually come and people hear you're a Christian, are they like, oh, of course you are. By the way you work, I can totally tell. Actually, it's biblical. Look at what uh, Titus 2, or Titus 1, verses 9 and 10 says. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, to not talk back to them. And do not steal from them, but show that they can be fully trusted, so that in everything they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Did you see that? 
It doesn't say that your message that you're going in, guns blazing, and sharing your faith at work is going to be attractive. What's Paul say, or what does he say to Titus, Paul to Titus? He says, actually, one of the greatest ways that someone is going to hear the gospel is if you are consistently working hard and you're a trustworthy person. You can make by the way that you live, the way that you work in the workplace, the gospel message even more attractive to that person. So do you understand that it's not just working hard for the sake of working hard, it's so that when others who don't believe look at you, they trust you, they see you pulling your weight and working hard, they're like, hey, I've heard you're a Christian, and based upon how hard you work, I want to listen to this message. What do you got? I'm attracted to the way that you work and what is making the difference. But, I mean, why do that? It's difficult, right? Paul tells us in verse 23, look at that. Why should we do this? For whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Thirdly is your reason. The reason is this. You work hard and not for people to please God. You work hard and not for people to please God. Now, this is the difference here between acceptance and pleasing, and we want to get that right. The only way that you are accepted by God is through Jesus Christ. That's it. God accepts you through faith alone in Jesus, and if that's a true reality, our desire then should be to want to please God in what we do and what we say. That's why Paul says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Now, I kind of read that and scratched my head and said, why does Paul say earthly masters? Is there some other kind of master that he's talking about here? Yes, he is. He's telling us as workers, as in employees, to look beyond your earthly master to upward to your real heavenly master. Oh, we're people pleasers, aren't we? Paul says the goal is not to please your master to get ahead, but to please your God. To come into every day that you work and say this, God, would you help me to see my work today as an act of worship to you? Because I'm not actually working for the person that's directly above me, but the one who is beyond and above everything. That's my goal, is to please him. So God, sometimes I don't want to work hard because that my boss is annoying. And he expects things of me that are ridiculous. But I'm not ultimately working for them. I am working for you, my ultimate Master, I'm going to see beyond this, and I'm not going to gather all my co-workers together to complain. That's so easy, isn't it? Oh my goodness. It makes you feel so good when you can get someone else to come in and be on your side, right? It's like, isn't this ridiculous? You bet it is. Oh man, and also, what are you guys talking about? Just talking about how bad management is here. Oh yeah, let me get in on that. I would love to. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Because I am a Christian. That's my ultimate calling. It doesn't mean that as a Christian that you have to be a pushover, though, okay? There's a fine balance between that, and we'll talk about that in our panel discussion a little bit later. But it does mean that I have a higher calling. It's to please my master, Jesus. Verse 24. Knowing that you will receive the reward of your inheritance from the Lord, you serve the Lord Christ. From the Lord you will be paid if you receive the Lord Christ, excuse me, we'll just stop right there. So you have a reward actually waiting for you, and that reward 
is an inheritance. So our role as employees is to obey in everything by working hard, giving our best. The reason is to please God, and the end result is a reward. Now, slaves would have heard this and know that they were not receiving an inheritance, that they were working for someone else that owned everything. But Paul is saying here, from your heavenly master, you will receive an inheritance. God owns everything, and he's going to share everything with you. A reward that is kept in heaven for you, uncorrupted, undefiled, an inheritance that is waiting for every single believer. And when you think about it this way, Does my life and my work really matter? God is going to reward you based on how well you served in your workplace. You think about that? We don't have a whole time to unpack rewards and what God is doing, but there is an inheritance waiting for you in Christ, and there is rewards based upon how you submitted to the earthly authorities that God has given to you, and it's waiting for you. An inheritance beyond anything that you can have in this world that is kept in heaven for you. Verse 25. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. Your reward is an inheritance that's coming from God. So here's just a little thing from that. So let God deal with your coworkers. It's not your job to make sure that everyone else is a good worker. Right? And how easy is it for you to focus in on everyone else? Oh, that lady, that guy. If they would just work harder. And you're talking about them. You're telling everyone else about how bad this worker is. And you're so concerned that if if they would just shape up, everything would be so much easier. Or if I was the boss, everything would be different and perfect. Well, let God work it out, and you focus on you and what kind of person you're becoming. Let me illustrate it this way. So several years ago, I made a visit to my parents' house. And when I was growing up, we never drank coffee. It was never in our house. We always had, like, these little packets of instant coffee that if someone came to our house that was a coffee drinker, mom and dad would offer that to them. And they're always like, oh, thank you, right? Well, I visited mom and dad. And uh, mom comes up to me very proudly and goes, hey, Brad, we're coffee drinkers now. I was like, what? Wow, good for you. That's awesome. Would you like a cup? Sure, I'd love to have a cup. And they bring me out this coffee, and I take one sip of it, and I was like, you are not coffee drinkers. This is so bad. They're like, oh, what's wrong with it? I said, well, where's this from? They said, it's from Aldi. I was like, okay. All right, that's the first price. And then mom goes, well, would you like some cream? I said, what kind of cream? She's like, oh, I love cream. And then I found out in that moment that my parents were cream drinkers and not coffee drinkers. <laughs> like they found those, that, that, you know, all the different flavors. And it was like candy coffee with a little bit of coffee on the top. And I sa- said to mom, I said, the problem is it's not the cream. It's not the outside influences to make it better the problem is the beans that's the issue here oh really yes you need to buy some good beans and you need to just drink the coffee that's that's what that's what real coffee is i'm not 
Anybody that takes cream in your coffee, I'm not downplaying you or anything like that, okay? Don't be offended. But what I am saying this is so often we think it's the coffee pot, but it's really the beans. It's you. And so often we want to focus in on all the externals. If I could just get a better boss, if I could just get a better coworker, then everything would be fine. You totally miss the point of what God is trying to do in you in this moment. He's saying, I'm shaping you and I'm forming you and I'm giving you that boss and that coworker to make you more like me. Would you see it that way? Don't try to focus and fix everybody, but trust me. You keep worshiping me and let me take care of the rest because I'm more concerned about what you're becoming in the midst of this than everything else that's happening. And if you find yourself there, keep going. Keep working. God is doing something. He's working in you. Don't focus on the externals, but say, God, how do you want to change my heart through this? Okay? So then he moves on, and he moves on to the next people. It says in chapter 4, verse 1, Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master who is in heaven. So managers, he now moves to you, and it's a very similar scope. And this is what the role of the manager is, to be just and fair. Your role as a manager is to be just and fair. Just meaning to do what is right. Now, I know that sometimes at the top, it is difficult. Oftentimes, your employees can be difficult to work for. It's stressful. There's a lot of anxiety, a lot of worry of being at the top. But managers, you are called to lead in a just, in, in a just way. That means with integrity, even if it might cost you. God is calling you to lead and to do what is right. He's also calling you to be fair. If you want employees to work hard for you, you should be willing to do the same for them. Don't you see employees as machines that get things done, but as people who are made in the image of God? And God says you are to treat them in a just and fair way. So don't be cynical when you're stressed out and confused. Pursue Jesus and take care of things. Because here's the reason. Here's the reason why you're just and you're fair. It's not because your day will be better, although it will be. Paul tells us, be just and fair because you have a boss too. You have a boss too. That is why you are supposed to be just and fair. So the one that the employee is looking to, to say, I'm ultimately not working for that person, even if they are a great manager. I'm working for Christ. The way that you lead should be shaped by your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is actually your real boss. You're not the boss. He is. So the way that you manage should be in line with your first calling of being a Christian. You should pray each day and say to God, Lord, help me to manage like Jesus did. He was gentle and kind, but he was also firm and called people out when he needed to. Help me to lead the same way with the same grace that Jesus does. So that my goal is not just to make money or to get what I want, but that my leading is an act of worship to God. 
So wherever you find yourself, your dream job, in between, or a job that you hate, or without a job, your vocation primarily is always the same, is to please God, to live for Him. Your first calling is to be a Christian. And so wherever you find yourself, if Christ is over all, your relationship with God will spill out into your work. You will strive for integrity. You'll strive to get along and love that coworker who drives you crazy because you love Jesus and you want to serve him. You'll lead like him. You won't gossip but build people up. Now, do you still gossip? Oh, yeah. Do you, are you lazy at times? Yes. Are you a human? Yeah. Do you always measure up to this standard that, God, that Paul is calling you to? No, you don't. As an employee or a manager, you don't. That's the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ is the perfect employee. He was the perfect manager. And so the boss that you have, your ultimate boss, is a perfect boss. And he knows that you are not a perfect worker. Oh, he cares about it. He wants you to work hard, but he knows you're always going to fall short. And that's the good news of the gospel is that you aren't defined by your work. Or how you responded at work. You're defined by your boss, Jesus. He fully accepts you through grace alone in Christ. And now that frees you up to go to work and to say, I've screwed up. I've actually not done what God has primarily called me to, is to be a great worker. And I'm sorry for complaining. How will that go over? Oh my goodness, right? It's like, wow. It's like, you know what, and I, I apologize for that, and I ask for forgiveness because God has called me to be obedient and to work hard, and there's some times that I haven't. So the gospel frees us up to say, I haven't always done it correctly, but my goal is to please God because I have a master in heaven who is perfect, and though he was perfect, he looked to serve and not be served. He leads me with love and care, and he gave his life for me. And I'm called to try and attempt the best that I can in grace to do the same. And when I fail, I'm going to look to Jesus. And by the way, that's in every situation. Oh my, do you know the great love that the master has for you? That you are loved with an everlasting love. That he fully accepts you greatly at no cost to you, but at full cost to him. Oh, we should be great workers. Knowing that your work on the assembly line or your work in the office, it's actually valuable to God. It's not just those who are in ministry that are doing like pastoral work. It's you that's day in and day in out going to work. That's actually very pleasing to God if you work hard. So don't devalue your work, but go in and say, God has given me this vocation to bring him glory and to do it as an act of worship. So I want to give us all just a memory verse this week to help us with this. This is one of my verses. It, it 
bings me on my phone with a continual reminder every night at 7.30 p.m. And it says, we make it our aim to please him. So I want you to write this down, 2 Corinthians 5, 9. I want you to take a picture of it right now if you need to, with your phone, whatever you got to do. And let's memorize this verse together. Therefore, whether we are at home or we are away, we make it our aim to be pleasing him. Memorize that, and as you're working, whether you're working at home, I know so many of us after the pandemic are now working at home. Whether you're away, your goal is always the same, to be pleasing God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your kindness. Thanks for the, you've supplied jobs for us. God, for the one that's here this morning that doesn't have a job and is discouraged, pray you'd encourage their heart. Pray you'd help them. Pray them to see that they're, they're not based upon if they're working or not, but defined by you. Help us to love you with everything that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I got some people coming up here that are taking care of business on a regular basis. And they're going to just uh, give us a couple of thoughts as that comes, uh, as it relates to work. Just interview them just a little bit here and ask them about these things. So, oh, I just stepped on a communion cup. It was mine. Okay, so we have up here, why don't you just introduce yourselves and tell us what you do. You don't have to tell us where you work, but what your vocation is. Uh, my name is Marty Demerit. Uh, I'm an attorney here in Des Moines practicing agribusiness law. I'm Joe McDowell. I do construction and school. Uh, Becca Reuter, and I'm a nurse in the ER. Fantastic. Kind of sounds like a uh, bad joke, doesn't it? A pastor, a lawyer, construction worker, and a nurse all walk into a bar. Oh, man. So I uh, just wanted to get your guys' uh, take on this and things for all of us out here. Uh, what would you say, starting with you, Becca, because you have the microphone. Oh, it might be hard going from the nurse down, I don't know, with this question. What is most rewarding to you about your work? If God has made us workers, what's the most rewarding thing to you? Um, I get to help people every day, obviously. Um, also, just um, where, how my job is laid out, I get to help new nurses become better nurses. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's pretty straightforward, helping yeah. others. Awesome. Joseph, what about you, man? Uh, I'd say for me, it's uh, being able to be at the end of the day and look back at something that I did. Uh, whether it's put up a wall or put in a window, something, I can see what I did. And that goes to the point of like, a manual worker. Like, that's a good thing for God. He's made us workers. And that's that you're using your gifts and ability to do that and to see the end result and go, that's a good thing, and God wants us to rejoice in that. That's awesome. Thanks, Joe. I would say for me it's twofold. Um, number one is I get to uh, solve interesting problems day to day and, and yeah. learn a lot of stuff in that process. The other is I'm, I'm at my heart a peacemaker and I'm in a very conflict heavy profession. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, it's fun to be able to uh, sometimes take the temperature down in the room and start moving uh, people towards solutions on, on, on things that uh, very personally affect them. Yeah, that's awesome. And to see how God has wired each one of us with different gifts and to use those in our fields and profession, that's a, that's a good thing. Awesome. Okay, so Marty, well, you have the microphone there. I'll ask you this next question. How do you honor those in a higher position over you without being a pushover? 
Yeah, so I think the aim, and I, and I say aim because it's an imperfect science and I fail at it often, but, but is to have, have wise boundaries. Okay. And what I mean by that is, first and foremost, it, it begins with me, that I want them to know and understand that um, I'm, I'm competent, I'm going to work hard for them, and that I care about uh, the outcome uh, of our cases or the matters that we have, because they're the owners of the business. And so I want them to understand, I'm in this with you, I'm going to work hard for you. Yeah. At the same time, I, I want them to understand that I answer to other authorities uh, as well. Uh, and so there are other obligations I have to with my church, with my family that are important to me and that I want to know and, and communicate those to them uh, and, and have the expectation that uh, I'm encouraged and supported in, in pursuing those things uh, as well. And I tend to find if that communication goes both ways, I'm very supportive uh, in those endeavors. So. Awesome. Joe, you're not the foreman, right? No. You're not. Okay, so how does that work for you? Uh, do you maybe sometimes you know more than the foreman? Have you ever experienced Sometimes. that? Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, Joe's a, Joe's a good guy, and he's smart. And he's also in school. Yeah. So how do you, how do you respond to that, knowing that you serve a master in heaven beyond them? So uh, kind of the way you have to look at it is how you went back to submission for the week on marriage. Hmm. Of There are some times where I know better. Um, there's a lot of times where I feel like, I am smarter here. It might not always be true, but I feel like I'm, I'm the smartest person there. Yeah. And the thing is, at the end of the day, someone else is gonna have to sign for my work. Like, if something's messed up, I'm not the one getting yelled at. It's mm -hmm. someone else's signature on it. So, for that, that's how you have to be submissive. Without being a pushover, is you have to understand the importance of your work, uh, both on a spiritual level and a physical level, you are infecting someone else's life. Hmm. So whether it's your testimony is touching them or you're trying to put a roof over their head that's not gonna fall over, someone else is being infect affected by you. Awesome. Becca, things have changed even just in the last couple of years in your field drastically, right? Yeah. Uh, how do you, maybe when nurses are not understood or mistreated, how do you like tell that in a way that's good and helpful and still keeping like your Christian testimony at the same time? Um, so I've worked at my job for five years yeah. and a lot of people have came and gone. And so I'm one of the people that has been there probably the longest in my department, not the longest, but at night I'm mostly the one in charge of the department. So getting new nurses, if that means like a new grad or a travel nurse or whatever, just trying to explain to them how the process goes. And um, there's times it can be easy to sit in my chair and tell people what to do. Yeah. But um, just using that as an example to, you know, we work hard and um, like this sermon was talking about, just that that's my um, testimony to these people that um, I'm just as much in the trenches with you guys. I'm taking patience and doing all this work. Yeah. Um, but also, um, I still have a manager above me, so when I relay things that happened, you know, on night shift or things that aren't going smoothly, and he's like, well, you know, that's a night shift problem or whatever the situation, just being like, you know, I don't think it needs to go like that. Just trying to communicate things um, evenly but not let it um, affect my job where I'm coming back to night shift and being like, nobody on days cares about us or, you know, things like yeah. that. So um, yeah. just that reminder and... 
Uh, luckily, Brad had texted me on Tuesday on my way to work that night, and I was like, oh my goodness, I don't even want to go. <laughs> and then I get there, and it was just one of those things. It was like, oh my goodness, this is, I had multiple times that I got to be a great testimony to my coworkers and different situations, so it's great that God worked that out. <laughs> yeah. Is there ever a time that you ever screwed up and you had to humble yourself to your coworkers? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> what, what was that like? Um, I think there's just, there's times when I, like, I have worked there for a while, so I'm like, you need to be doing this, you need to be going, you know, whatever, and they're trying to, you know, what if, what if we do this, or something different, and I'm like, yeah. no, this is, you know, how we need to do it, and it doesn't work out, and I'm like, oh, maybe we should have tried that way first, sorry, Yeah. and uh, um, I think another thing is just, uh, like you said, just saying, like, hey, I know I do not need to be gossiping about this situation, or no, we do not need to be talking about management, and sometimes that's three days later after I've already said a lot of things. <laughs> and uh, it's so it's very humbling to go back and be like, I after I've talked with that person and been like, I'm sorry I said that or whatever the situation was and just coming back and saying that I messed yeah. up and I shouldn't have said that. Good, thank you. Yeah. Marty, how does um, what you do as a lawyer, how does your faith shape your work? Yeah, so... I was thinking about this this morning, and, I, and I've heard it often said by, by folks that they didn't understand how sinful they were until they became a husband or a, a, a parent or something yeah. like that. And, and for I've me, for me, I, I <laughs> kidding. I did not understand probably the scope of some areas of my sin until I entered into my career, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and seeing, you know, I was always a hard worker. I don't think that was ever the issue, but the, the, the depth of my, my sinful ambition, wanting to yeah. be the best and that driving me, uh, my pride, my, my fear of financial insecurity and holding on to my career as a source of uh, my, my safety. Yeah. Um, and so God has, over the, the seven years I've been doing this now, been constantly doing surgery on what is your motivation for why you're doing this? Who are you yeah. serving? Mm-hmm. Are you serving me? God? Or are you serving yourself? Are you trying to please people? Um, and and I've, God over the years has really cultivated me more and more a, a spirit of humility and, and, and wanting to be a servant as opposed to wanting yeah. to be a star yeah. Um, yeah, in, in my work. Uh, but, but it's been a, a painful process, as my wife could tell you, with a lot of, uh, a lot of bad decisions and a lot of you know, unhealthy motivations that I've been working through over the years. So. Mm, that's good. Thank you. Uh, we'll have one more question for everybody. But then uh, I just want to plug our podcast, Inside the Park. If you haven't subscribed to that, go ahead, because this week we're going to be looking at um, work in relationship to rest. And also, we're also going to be interviewing uh, Gus Child, one from the manager perspective. So Gus, raise your hand. He's ready for summer in his shirt back there. Man. Look at that guy. I don't know. He's either ready for summer or Rick Warren lookalike. I'm not sure. But uh, (laughs) last question here. All right, how, okay, so pastors all the time say, share your faith at work, share your faith at work. And I've worked a lot of jobs outside of being a pastor, and I know that that is hard to do sometimes. It's, it's tricky. So how have you guys found, like, best practices of being in a public workplace of sharing the good news of Christ? What's that look like for you guys? So for me, you have to understand context where I work, yeah. right? So I work in a firm where... Uh, there has to be boundaries with being uh, 
not sharing things without there being sort of permission to do so. Yep. Yeah. And so the question always has been, how do you get that, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and it's complicated by the fact that I work with a bunch of gunners who, by, by the world's measures, are very successful and have it together, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not like jobs I had when I was younger where I was working with a lot of people who were kind of messes and, and the, the conversations were easy to have in those yep. circumstances. And so the, the interesting irony is that for me, the doors have opened when I have uh, been open with my, my vulnerability and my, my struggles. Mm. That, that actually is, is what tends to open the door with my coworkers. And so in my first few years, I, as you know well, um, I, I was not ready necessarily for the stresses of being an attorney. And I went from being the, you know, the hip Christian who used going out to the bar with his friends to you know, share the gospel with them when they were a little tipsy to myself teetering over the edge of alcoholism. Mm. Uh, and, and that, as I've uh, pulled back from that, quit drinking, and, and you know, I'm in a profession where a lot of people will struggle with alcohol, right. has opened many doors for me to have very meaningful conversations with coworkers. What I'm finding now, the mission field that's opening to me uh, in, the, in the future is uh, there's a lot of pain my coworkers go through and a lot of regret. You're, you're running a, a rat race, so to speak, working really hard. Um, and, and I have struggled with time management and, and honoring my family um, and being there for them. And I have many coworkers who th that weighs very, very heavy on them. And, and that, I, I, I sense, is going to be what opens the door for me to share my faith and how God has been working in me to understand what, what is my responsibility, how do I view work, yeah. and how do I view these other things in life that are really important to me and are important to my coworkers, but that they struggle to know how do I prioritize them. Mm, that's good. Joe, same question, man. What's that look like for you? Uh, well, most, with most everything, I think it starts with your testimony. Uh, doing the work there, because no one wants to listen to the slacker. <laughs> Slacker comes up to you, and it's hard to not blow them off. Right. So it starts there. Um, being a person that someone wants to hear from, where uh, if you were to direct a conversation into a gospel area, they're not going to just blow you off or like, are you are you the guy that needs to be talking to me about this? Yeah. Um, so that's the big start there, and then trying to develop a relationship with people where they feel comfortable, where they can mm -hmm. talk to you because religion is like one of the big three that you don't talk about. Right, right. So you have to create a relationship or some kind of communication in which they feel comfortable where they can ask questions or something. Because for me, uh, a lot of my coworkers, they consider themselves atheists. So they will throw them throw questions at you and expect you to be, have some kind of comeback or yeah. be witty. And so that's ends up how I ha get to be able to talk about the Bible is them trying to throw me off. And you are a witty guy, too. It's, it's fun in that way. I try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're right, Joe. It is a relationship. And often it's outside of the work setting where that happens, right? It's mm -hmm. like we're working hard and let's get together. Let's get go out and let's talk. That's good. Becca, bring us home. What, what about you on that one? How do you share your faith in the midst of work and everything else? Um, working hard, like you said, I just think that when you're being lazy or not caring about other people, um, it just doesn't look well that you, that God created those people and that you're slacking off. Um, I luckily get opportunities with patients, just talking about hard things, especially when 
you're in the ER and you know there's times when they've been someone one of my coworkers would be like well I don't know how to pray so let me go grab Becca so it's like okay that's yeah. a huge opportunity for me to take but um I think with my coworkers, like they know, and sometimes they don't want to have conversations, especially when I bring it up. That later, or they'll ask me to work, like, "Oh, will you work Sunday?" I'm like, "Oh, you know, I can't work." Oh, yeah, because you have to go to church, and just like reminding them, like, "Oh, yeah, you're always free to come with me." Like, you sure. know, if you can get a Sunday off or whatever the situation. Um, so I think just being consistent in that, but. Um, outside of work, you know, trying to invite people to come for different things, especially if they have kids and there's opportunities um, for, you know, different activities and getting them involved. Um, I think about, like, patient-wise, there's always things that come up that people are like, I'm at my lowest point or, you know, whatever the situation is, and just being like, well, I know this isn't a medical cure, but, you know, can I hand you this or can I talk yeah. to you about this? And sometimes when it's super busy and you're like, I don't really want to take the time to talk to people, just taking that moment and just realizing that God can work, even if it's 30 seconds to awesome. just say that. So Great. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate this. Becca, would you close some prayer? And we'll be dismissed. Dear God, thank you that we're able to come to your house this morning and just learn from your word about um, real life situations and how to live those out. God, I just pray that you would help us to be an example wherever we're set in our um, work or home or going out to the grocery store, whatever the situation is, um, that you would just make us bold, but also that we would build relationships with others so that we can have those um, conversations. Just send us out from this place um, unified in your love and willing to um, just draw closer to you so that we can give this out to the community. In God's name, amen. Amen. It's been good to gather with you. Yeah, give them a hand. They're great. It's been good to gather with you. Let's scatter on mission. Thanks for coming this morning.